Good evening, everyone, and a good nechaydash. Good nechaydash, good nechaydash Kislev. Now, tonight's Rishchaydash uh, Kislev for real, the second night of Rishchaydash, and the first day of Kislev. And if it's Rishchaydash Kislev, that means uh, Hanukkah is right around the corner. That's right, and Hanukkah is right around the corner. And Purim is really right around the corner. So we better start getting ready. And the best way to get ready is to, let's uh, let's get down into Parsha's told us over here. So getting back together again, the end of another beautiful, amazing week. Um... What? Actually, I had a hamantash today. You had a hamantash today, <laughs> yeah. I think there's donuts out there. Right there. Hamantash can't be that far behind. Um, yeah, so uh, wrapping up another beautiful, amazing week. We're cruising into another Thursday evening over here and getting together once again for another edition of the Thursday Night Chumash and Shalanshir. Now, <clears throat> this was supposed to be, I don't know whose fault this is, um, whoever's at fault, better better to remain silent. Tonight was supposed to be Chomish, Chalans, and Turkey Pastrami. That's what I called it for. It was, it was supposed to have steamed Turkey Pastrami, steamed in the Chalans. But alas, it looks like it didn't work out. Yeah, Turkey Pastrami, right? That would have been poetic. Why Turkey Pastrami? Everyone wants to know because uh, because tonight's Rish Chayish Kislev, of course. But it didn't work out, and uh, but we still have the delicious, our consolation um, is Rabbi Aronson's our prize. That's right, the Blue Ribbon Prize. Rabbi Aronson's world famous. Actually, the winner of the Summerton County Fair Chalm Competition three years in a row, 2008, 2009, and 2010. So thank you very much, Rabbi Aronson, once again for this uh, prize-winning Chalm. Shkaich. <laughs> yeah, anyway, enough about that. Let's get... Enough. Menachem, enough. <laughs> now it's time for Parshas Told Us. Let's get that into Parshas Told Us over here. Um... Yeah, so so Toldus begins with the um, the opener over here, which is well known to us. Let's read a few psukim. These are the generations, the children of Yitzchak, the son of Avram. Avram gave birth to Yitzchak. Okay, Yitzchak was forty years old when he took Rivka, the daughter of Basul Harami, Aram from the region of Padan Aram. She was the sister of love and the trickster, and he took her as a wife. Good. And Rashi gives us the chronology. They got married when Yitzhak was 40 and, Yitzhak, and Rivka was 3. He waited 10 years um, before consummating the marriage. That's age 50. And from age 50 to age 60, for 10 years, the first 10 years of the marriage, they are childless. There's no children. They're not blessed with any children for 10 long years. So what do they do after 10 years? That's the next Pasuk, says Rashi. There's a 10-year gap between Pasuk Chaf and Pasuk Chaf Aleph. Maybe a 20-year gap even. But 10 years of making it established to have children to no avail. Pasuk Chaf Aleph. Yitzchak davens to the Rebbeinu Shulaylam facing his wife, opposite his wife. Ki she was barren. Hashem answered Yitzchak's prayers. Vata Rivka Ishtoi. Rivka, his wife, after 10 years, Baruch Hashem, she became pregnant, she was carrying twins. Okay, the sequence so far is well known. But I want to ask a few questions over here. Yitzchak and Rivka, the moving Pasuk, a stirring Pasuk, and, 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 and um, who was davening? Who was davening for children when they hit the 10-year mark? Just Yitzchak. What? So both of them were davening, and it's a well-known medrash that Rashi brings down that they would stand in opposite corners, and Yitzchak was davening in his corner, and Rivka was davening in her corner. Rashi says that's what Lenoichach Ishtoi means. Lenoichach Ishtoi, 
facing his wife or opposite his wife, they were each standing in opposite corners and davening to the Rebbeinu for children. Rashi brings this down, right? We've heard this before. They were standing in opposite corners, davening away. Um, but the first question I want to ask is actually um, spurred by by the observation of, of, of David over here. David, when I asked the question, who was davening? So if you don't know this medrash, you don't know this Rashi, you look at the Pasuk, you say, and you see, who is davening? Yitzchak's davening. The Torah only talks about Yitzchak davening. Again, this is such a well-known idea that when we read the Pasuk, let's make an experiment over here. I mean, it's too late to run this experiment, but if I would have read this Pasuk, and I would have pounced on somebody over here, Who's maybe heard this message before? I say, oh, it says Vayeta Yitzchak Hashem Lo Chachishtei. Yitzchak was davening Hashem facing his wife. Who's davening? Oh, Yitzchak and Rivka. Yitzchak in his corner, Rivka in her corner. Everybody knows this, and we would, we we know this so well, and it's so known that 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 that's what the pasuk is saying. It jumps out at us. But if you look at the pasuk with you know a fresh look and a um. You know, you clear all preconceived ideas, knowledge, and notions from your mind. You look at the Pasuk. The Torah is only talking about Yitzchak's tefillahs. Only Yitzchak is the one that's davening in the Pasuk. Where was he davening? He was davening, incidentally, Gratel, opposite his wife. But the, the verbiage in the Pasuk over here, the verbiage in the Torah of describing who's davening, is only going back on Yitzchak. And, and, and really, David set up this question for us. And let's allow ourselves to ask a valid question over here. opposite his wife because his wife is barren. Why are Rivka's tefillahs not in the pasuk? Why is the Torah not bothered to mention the fact that Rivka is also davening? Rivka is barely, barely alluded to. Her tefillahs are barely referenced in the pasuk, a fleeting allusion in the fact that she's mentioned to be in the same room. So from there, I have to know this Chazal, Rashi tells us, we extract from that, that he was davening in his corner, she's davening in her corner, but the verbiage, the, the action in the Pasuk is going on Yitzchak. It's a fair question, and we have to ask it, why does the Torah not mention Rivka's Tfilis? Why does it not mention Rivka's Tfilis? If anything, you know, you have Shaloi Neida, Rachmal Islan, a couple that can't have kids. Generally, it's the wife that gets hit much harder. Anyway, a, a, a wife, a woman has a very strong maternal instinct and as much as the father wants kids, you know, a woman, a woman is going to feel that pain and feel that 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 emotional um, turmoil much, much more, generally. And yet, the Torah only mentions Yitzchak Tzvilas. Okay, this is question number one. The Torah barely references, barely alludes to Rivka davening. Why? Why is Yitzchak the one that's mentioned as davening? Let's ask another question. Okay, things are going to get a little bit more than a little bit more mysterious over here, when we begin to ask basic questions and like open our eyes to take a, a fresh take on, on well-known ideas, but they have to be examined in new lights. Yitzchak and Rivka, are, are they the first couple that is unfortunately struggling with infertility? Natara, who's the first couple, well-known couple that struggles? What? Avram and Sarah. Excellent, very good. Avram and Sarah. And Avram and Sarah also struggle with it. And, 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 and if anything, you see... From their their response and reaction way back in Parshas Lech Lecha, a a um, validation to what we were just saying. Who's the one that 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 we see speak up first about the fact that they are, are barren and are childless? Who who says something about it? Sarah. Sarah's the one that says Avram to Avram. We don't have any kids. We got to do something about this. Take my maidservant. Take Hagar. <laughs> the of you bring Hagar into the house. Maybe that'll be a schus for me to have children. And, and Avram and Hagar together have Yishmael. But we find that it stresses Rivka first. Okay, 
Abner and Sarah are also struggling with, with, with not having children, unfortunately, struggling with the Shrek uh, a, a, a situation of, of infertility. How long do Avram and Sarah deal with this? How long are they dealing with this? And, and how long elapses between Avram and Sarah not having children and, and Sarah mentioning to Avram, you know, I think maybe you should take, you should take, um, you should take Hagar. How old is he? Was seventy-five when they moved to to um, Eretz Yisrael, and ten years go, goes by over there as well. And then and and, the, and and then Sarah says to Abram, "You know what? It's been a very long time. Take Hagar, and then still another two years until Yishmael is born. And then a full thirteen years after that, Yitzchak is born. So." Um, we have, exactly, we have 25 years elapses from when they moved to Eretz Yisrael until Yitzchak was born. And they were married already in Charon, in ur for who knows how many years before they moved to Eretz Yisrael. Abram and Sarah were already married to each other in, in um, Chutzlar. And if Rashi implies that they were married at least 10 years in Chutzlar, it's also. So Rashi says that even when they hit the 10-year mark in Eretz Yisrael, that's when they had to start taking action because the years in Chutzlars didn't count, implying that they were married for at least 10 years in Chutzlars. They're married for decades. <laughs> Abram and Sarah are married for decades. And they're also struggling with not having children. And finally, you know, after 25 years of living in Eretz they're blessed with Yitzchak. <clears throat> Where did they daven? Where's their tilos? Why do we not find anywhere Abram and Sarah doing what Yitzchak and Rivka do? Yitzchak and Rivka... In this week's parsha, they hit the ground. Davin three Vaisham. Ten years goes by. Yitzchak gets in his corner. Rivka gets in his her corner. Vayetar, and they're 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 they are they are assaulting the heavens with their tefillas. They're bombarding the Rebbeinu the Shari Shemayim. Vayetar says Rashi is a very intense lush and a very intense type of term for for um, heaving and just throwing hurling tefillas at Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Why? Because they're married ten years without having kids. And Avram and Sarah, where their tefillas? Why do we not find the Torah recording the tefillas of Avram and Sarah? Another very basic question. Very how odd? How odd? Avram and Sarah also struggled with infertility for even longer than Yitzchak and Rivka. Where are their tefillas? Where is their asira? Their entreaties and 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 um, and please, Takarish Baruch Hu, that they should be blessed with a child. That's missing. But is it possible that? Just like Adam had learned the concept of Shuba. Well, you want to answer the question. We'll have time for the... I want to just keep the momentum oh, going over here, okay? We'll have time for suggestions um, in, a, in a few minutes. I just want to keep the momentum building. So, so, um, so, uh, so this is, is very strange over here. Very strange that we don't, that we don't find um, the Torah mentioning every, anywhere explicitly the Tfilis of Abram and Sarah. And at best, we do find a, a, a casual passing mention, um, but certainly not 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 in the the um, the to the uh, extent that, that is described with Yitzchok and, and and Rivka. There is one place where we can find a very casual passing reference to the Tefillas of Avram and Sarah, but it's again presented in a very odd and very strange way. Who knows where that is? Where does the Torah, in fact, and indeed discuss the Tefillas of, of of Avram and Sarah? There's one place if, if, if you put a Rashi together with a Pusik, based on a Rashi, we do find a place where they dabbed. But but there's no Pusik that says it explicitly. There's no Pusik like we have by Yitzchak. Yitzchak is pounding the heavens, storming the heavens. You don't find it by Abram. What do you find? There's one place 
I'm aware of where, based on a Rashi, there's a place that references Abram's Dabin. So you have to put a whole, you have to put a whole, uh, like, um, uh, scavenger hunt together to find it. You have to connect a lot of dots. If we go back to the story where Sarah brought Hagar into the house, right? Sarah brings Hagar into the house after 10 years. Maybe Hagar will have a child with you and Netzchus, I'll have a child with you. So um, she brings Hagar in, says Hagar became pregnant immediately. That's the story in Parshas Vayera. And Hagar was making a mockery of, of, of uh, Sarah. She was, she was making a mockery of Sarah. This is, I'm sorry, Parshas Lech Lecha. Making a mockery of Sarah. Um, she's saying, Sarah, look, I, I became pregnant right away. You, you've been married for decades to Avram without any children. There's clearly something the matter over here. You know, you're not the tzaddikas that you seem to be. So Hagar was, was, was mocking Sarah. Sarah comes to Avram. Chamas yalecha. My chamas is, is, is cast upon you. My, my, um, um, mistreatments. My mistreatments is, is your fault. What's what's the mistreatment that Sarah is talking about? So one is the the, the um the, the, her mistreatment at the hands of Hagar, but Rashi brings in a very interesting pshat. What's her mistreatment? She's saying I was mistreated by you. Hagar, uh, Sarah says to Abraham, I was mistreated by you. She says in Lech Lecha again when Hagar becomes pregnant immediately. Where was she mistreated by Abraham? This mistreatment is your fault that I'm getting. What's the mistreatment? Listen carefully what Rashi says. In Lech When you Avram davened to Hashem, she's saying a lashon of tefillah. When you davened to Hashem, matitain li va'anoichi hoylech ariri. You davened to Hashem, God. What possible reward can you, can you give me? I'm childless. I'm barren. You only davened for yourself. When you davened, you davened for yourself for kids. You should have davened for both of us. Not just that I don't have kids, you should have said, me and my wife, we both don't have kids. You only have for yourself, so now you can have kids with anyone, i.e. hugger, but you didn't have for us to have kids together. I would have been, uh, I would have been marked for children together with you, you only have for yourself, so you got kids, I didn't get kids. So if you look at the Rashi carefully, Rashi is using the Lushan of Teal over there. Rashi is saying that there was a, a point in time that Avram davened for himself for kids and he failed to include Sarah in his tefillahs. Where was this tefillah? Where did Avram daven for Sarah, for himself for kids? Rashi quotes a line from right before the Um The line that he quotes of Avram's tefillah, so to speak, was <coughs> God, what can you possibly give me? What value is there in anything you give me? Look, I'm childless. When we would read that Pasuk, we don't hear a tefillah. What do we hear? A complaint. A, a statement's a fact, maybe. A, a complaint, at worst. A statement, at best. We don't hear a tefillah. It's a tefillah. Uh, Avram's saying, what's the point in anything you're going to give me? God, I'm childless. I'm barren. Okay. Maybe we stretch, stretch, stretch. Maybe it's a request. He's, it's like an implied request. An implied request. Um, Rashi's calling it a tefillah, which is very interesting. Again, good idea. Rashi in Lech Lecha is calling that Pasuk a tefillah. Rashi regards that as a tefillah. When he says, Rashi is saying that was a tefillah. No, okay, let's call it a tefillah. But does that tefillah approach the tefillah of Yitzchak? By Yetar, Yetar says Rashi is an idea of hurling your, 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 your prayers, storming the heavens with your prayers. Where is Abram and Sarah storing the prayer with the heavens? Where is that? And also, let's take that further. Sarah says to Abram, you were only davening for me, you, didn't dive, you only dive for yourself, not for you. And where's Sarah's tefillahs? What about Sarah? We don't have Avram's heartfelt 
in passion tefillahs recorded anywhere. We don't have stars tefillahs recorded anywhere. At best, again, a very passing, casual reference to a line that Rashi is translating as a tefillah, regarding the tefillah, but to our ears and eyes and nose doesn't really look like a tefillah at all. It just looks like a statement of facts, maybe, and complaints, Takodesh Baruch Hu, that look, I don't have any kids, Yerushalayim, what's going to be with me? What's going to be? So let's come back, let's come full circle to our second question. Our second question is, is Nochamol, why does, this is not the first couple that in Klai Yisrael, in, in recorded history, in the Chumash, that has struggled with childlessness, this is not the first couple that is pining for a child, yet for some reason, this is the place where we find a big issue made about, about their tefillahs, about the Asira. Where is that by Avram? How come you don't find that by Avram? How come you don't find that by Sarah? Let's ask a third question. The third question is, Taka, this interesting Lushan of Tefillah, Vayetar. Vayetar, you don't really find this Lushan in other places. Vayetar. Vayetar, we're translating that Rashi says it means uh, copious amounts of Tefillahs, excessive Tefillahs, um, throwing and hurling and casting your Tefillahs at, at, at the Shemaim. It's a very interesting Lushan, and there's a Gemara in Sukkah, actually. There's a Gemara in Sukkah, that that sees this word vayetar as related to the word asar as a noun ayin safresh, and the Gemara in Sukkah says that that the tefillahs of tzaddikim are compared to an asar, which is a pitchfork, a pitchfork, and 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 that does bring this imagery to mind that we said earlier. What do you do with a pitchfork? I mean, what do what do Normal farmers. Now, when we think, for some reason, when we talk about pitchforks, it kind of is like psychotic images. In their minds, I think. Psychotic images or <coughs> demonic, either demonic or psychotic. But like real farmers are doing normal, normal farmers are doing normal things with pitchforks. Not Satan and not the psychotic zombie farmers. You know, what do normal people do with pitchforks? What do you do with a pitchfork? Hey. You, what do you do? You toss the hay up and, 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 and the wind blows the hay and the, the grain drops back down to the ground. That's what you do, use with a pitchfork. The chaff blows away, and uh, the good stuff plaps back down. That's what you do with the pitchfork. Or you just toss a, but you use it to toss things. You use it to toss things. To hurl things, to toss things. So, yeah, the Gemara Sukkot has a nice idea over there that the tzaddikim are able to <coughs> toss things, are, are able to, Yitzchuk is able to flip things around, like a pitchfork flips things and tosses things. But that's the Agatha, that's the drasha, but we are definitely allowed to, and therefore obligated to ask a question of, of, like, why of all the shyness, why should the Torah talk about Yitzchak's tefillahs in pitchfork terms? The way you would literally translate this passage is, and Yitzchak pitchforked to God, facing his wife. He was pitchforking his tefillahs to God. Very interesting, and again, you, you don't find this really elsewhere, the idea of tefillah being referred to in, in, in these terms of, like, pitching, pitchforking. Okay, so three questions that we're asking over here. First question is... Um, why are Rivka's tefillahs not mentioned explicitly in the Pasuk? Why are they only alluded to? Rivka's there in the corner. The second question, which seems to be related to this, is the, the, um, in the annals of, of uh, Jewish history so far, recorded Jewish history, this is the second couple that's struggling with infertility. Avram and Sarah struggled for even longer, even longer, and we don't find them being recorded as davening, as storming the heavens. What happens over there? Why is that not recorded? And the final question is, why are we using this fun, funny lotion of Vayetar, of comparing Yitzhak's tefillahs to a pitchfork, describing it in pitchfork terms? So putting all three, all three questions together, all three questions really point at one 
idea, one vart, and they converge on, on one idea, very beautiful idea, very solid idea, and I think a very practical idea. It gives us insight into the parasha, insight into Yitzchak, and insight into Tzfilah. And it goes like this. Let's begin with the second question, with the middle question. Yitzchak and Rivka are the ones who are recorded, and really Yitzchak is the one who's recorded as giving it his all, giving it all he's got. Yitzchak is the one who's giving it all he's got and pouring out his heart for tefillah, for, for, to have this child. We don't find this by Avram, we don't find this by Sarah. Now what does that mean? Let, let, let's take that, you know, a step or two further. Does that mean when we don't find this by Avram, it's absent by Sarah, does this mean that Avram and Sarah weren't davening for his children? First of all, we just saw the Rashi earlier. Rashi says that Sarah was telling Avram he did that. Okay, what about Sarah? Of course Sarah davened. That goes with that saying. We don't need a pasuk. We don't need proof. We don't need a chazal to tell us that Avram was davening for Kindalach, that Sarah was davening for children. We don't need the Torah to tell us that. Of course they were davening. They wanted kids. They needed kids. They were childless. Of course they were davening. The question really is more, why is Yitzchak the one who is recorded as having davened? Why... Is this being put in Yitzchak's fire? Vayetar. Why is the Torah choosing Yitzchak and the incidents and the, and the situation of Yitzchak and Rivka's barrenness to be the place where, for all time, for all posterity, we, we, we discuss davening? Yitzchak is the place where it's recorded. Yitzchak is the place where it's discussed. Yitzchak is the place where it's stressed and emphasized. We know there's a cloud Gadol in Torah where an idea pops up for the first time. It means this is the prime positioning of it, and this is really where it's being defined and established and delineated. Anytime you have an idea, basic concept in Torah, we look for the first place it occurs. The first place it occurs is like the the uh, archetypical, primordial, uh, elemental mentioning of that idea. That's a definitional place. So, certainly Abram and Sarah were crying and davening for children. But if this is the first place where it's recorded, it means there's something very basic about Yitzchak, his connection to davening, and his davening for children. Something that we need to know about Yitzchak, specifically with regards to tefillah. Taking that a step further, there's something about davening that is specific to Yitzchak, much more specific to Yitzchak than to Avram. Davening, very intensely, and davening, with all of our might, is somehow more Yitzchak dick than Avram dick. Everybody got that so far? Davening connects more with Yitzchak than it connects with Avram. Avram was certainly davening, so was certainly davening. But it's much more of a, we would say in Talmudic, it's a din in Yitzchak, as opposed to a din in Avram. It's a property of Yitzchak, much more than a property of Avram. How so? So here things begin to connect each other. Connect connect each other up. Dominoes begin to knock each other down at this point. We know that the three forefathers... Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov each have a different midah. Each stand for a different trait. Each bring down out a different characteristic and character trait of, of God of the Rebbe here into the Brio. That's well known. Avram we know is chesed. Yitzchak we know is gevura. Self-control, restraint. Call that din also. And we know Yaakov is the midah of Tiferes, of Torah, of Emes, of balance. Avram is all about chesed, and we see that Avram's career is all about giving, is all about proactivity, all about being out there, being active. Yitzchak is always about about restraint, about limitation, giving up his life, etc. That's Yitzchak. But these, you know, this 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 
setup, this triangular um, arrangement of these three midas, Chesed, Gevura, and Tiferes, called Abba, Yira, and um, and uh, and Emes, Tiferes, also parallel three basic activities within the human condition. Chesed, Gevura, and Tiferes, the Ava, the Yira, and the Emes of Ava, Mitzvah, and Yaakov also line themselves up along three basic um, ideas and concepts that a is supposed to be involved with, which are the three basic pillars that the world stands on. The Maral says this. He's not the only one that says this, but he also says this. We're taught in Pirkei Avis that the world stands on three pillars. What are the three pillars that the world stands on? Torah, Avodah, and Gemilas Chasodim. Torah, Torah study, Avodah is servitude of God, worshipping God, serving God. And green was chasadim, which is chesed, which is doing acts of kindness, doing, getting out there and doing. Chesed, Gavur, and Tiferes is Torah, Avodah, and Gemilas chasadim, but not in that order. Torah, that's obviously, that's Yaakov. Torah is Tiferes, is MS, is balance, is, is the ability to have everything within balance. Gemilas chasadim, that's obviously chesed. And Gavur, that's Avodah. Avodah, worship of God, servitude of God, worshiping God, serving God. That is Gavur. And Avodah, first and foremost, means karbanus, sacrificing to God. That's obviously Yitzchak's meter, because Yitzchak was prepared to sacrifice himself. But we know, hand in hand with karbanus, the other aspect of Avodah is what? Is tefillah. The concept of tefillah, of davening, is a Yitzchak concept. Because tefillah parallels Avodah, which parallels Gevura, which that's Yitzchak, the third of those three pillars, whatever, the second of the three pillars that each of the of, of the Avis uh, stands for, Yitzchak's pillar is the pillar, is the Amur HaAvoid, which is the Amur HaTfilah. So very eye-opening, but Yitzchak does connect with Tfilah. So right away we can appreciate a little bit why Tfilah is emphasized. The first place we really find someone davening very hard for something, in a very heartfelt, impassioned way, Vayetar, a real stark, a real heartfelt, a real impassioned prayer session to God is Yitzchak. That's the first place we find it. We don't find it recorded by Avon Sarah. Certainly they have but that wasn't their Mida. That's not what they brought down into the world. That's not what they embodied. That's Yitzchak's Mida. So that's why we find it by Yitzchak. And incidentally, that's why Rivka's feelings are only alluded to in the Pasuk. It's the same answer. That's why it's only by Yitzchak. Rivka is just alluded to in a very passing, casual manner. Yes, she's in the other corner. Oh, what's she doing in the corner? Oh, learn Rashi. Rashi says, what was she doing in the corner? She was also davening. But the Torah doesn't mention Rivka's tefillah explicitly because Yitzchak is the Baal tefillah. He's the Baal tefillah. You know, I know in our Torah, sometimes we think the David is the Baal tefillah, right? Yitzchak was the Baal tefillah. Right? Right? Yitzchak was the Baal tefillah. Okay, when Yitzchak Avinu is not around to David, that's when we send up David. Once in a while, Menachem see. But Yitzchak was the premier Baal Tzvilah. Yitzchak stands for davening. But let's now take that further. Why is it that Yitzchak stands for davening and Avram doesn't? Why is it that davening, why should davening be Yitzchak's midah? We understand the sacrificial angle over here. That Yitzchak again is avoided. There's three pillars. The world stands on, on three pillars. Yes, like this. Here's one. Here's two. There's number three. Thank you very much. There should be a good bench. Thank you. Here's the three pillars the world stands on. That's right. Here's the world. This more could be more befitting than a bowl of chalms to represent the world. Um, the ancient Greeks actually believed that the world was supported on the back of a giant chalent pot. You guys know that? Yes. Anyway, 
anyway, um, um, no, really. In the summertime, the crackpot was turned up high. In the wintertime, it was turned down very low. That, that, that was what accounted for the seasons. Anyway, but we can't. We don't have time for that right now. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, the Greeks. What do you want? The Greeks. Yeah? There's a reason that they lost Hanukkah time, right? Anyway, so um, here we have the world standing on three pillars. We have Chesed, we have Gura, and we have Tiferes. So Avram is Chesed, of course. Yitzchak, Yaakov is Torah. Tiferes, of course. Yitzchak is 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 Avoida. Is Avoida, and Avoida. For, for sure, means the korbanus, the base hamikdash. That's avoid serving God, and that we get that. Of course, korbanus is sacrificing something for God, ending a life, giving up a life of my animal for God. But that represents my, my life. The life of my cow is like my life. The life of my sheep is like my life. That's Yitzchak. But avoid also represents davening. Why should davening also be Yitzchak's meter? Why should Yitzchak have a monopoly on davening? Which again, you see that beautifully coming out from the sixth parsha. That's why Yitzchak is the first baal but why, why, why can't Abram go together with Davening? Why can't Yaakov go together with Davening? Why is Davening also line up under the Amur Avoido, under the pillar of Gevura of Yitzchak? And the answer like this. Here's where we have the beautiful insight into Tefillah, what Tefillah really is. And we make a big mistake when we ask this question. Because when we, when we ask, how come Yitzchak is the one that's the Baal Tefillah? How come Abram, Abram can't also, why can't he resonate with Tefillah? Abram is Ches, is about giving. So Davening is about... It's about giving. Akash Baruch please give, give, right? Chesed is giving, outpouring, is shefa. Adam should also be associated with tefillah, right? Adam, chesed is giving, productivity, giving all the malach, giving left and right. God is giving. Why can't Adam also line up and resonate with tefillah? The Teretz is, tefillah, when we dive into Hashem for something, for a child, even for something we really need, God, give me a child. Real tefillah means the tefillah of Yitzchak. Yitzchak shows us what the Yesoid of tefillah really is, what the foundational principle of Davening really is. And such an insight for us, Rabbi Yisai, all, we all have things that we're Davening for, each and every one of us here, in this room, at, at this table, in Klaistro, in, 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 in every single person in has something that they're Davening for. To, to get a shit up, to get into this yeshiva, to get a good job, to see nachas for my children, to see... To see Parnassah, to see my, 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 my business take off, to see success, for wisdom, for refuah, for healing, for consolation, for salvation. Everyone has things that they're davening for. Generally speaking, when we're davening for things that we need from Hashem, we're taka davening in a way of, of, of uh, presenting God with a wish list. Give me, give me, give me. Chesed, chesed. Yes, I, I want, I want. Give, give, give. And of course, God is the ultimate giver. And of course, God loves us and wants to give and is happy to give. But when our tefillah, when our davening is, is that mindset of Hashem, you you give, so give, please give me. Uh, look, I have this long list of things that I need. We're selling ourselves short. That's not really the, the, the focal point and the defining line of what davening really is. That's a shallow understanding of davening when I'm davening because I just need something, I want something, and God, you give, and you can't give, you can fill my needs, please fill my needs. Yitzchak shows us what davening really is. What's davening really all about? It's really all about what Yitzchak is all about. What's Yitzchak all about? Avoida, Gevura. What's Avoida, what's Gevura? Channeling everything back up to God. Okay? Avram is chesed. Avram is pulling down from God. That's what Avram is all about. Adam is all about serving people. Please give, please take, please challenge. Yes, take, right? Please take, take. Adam is all about giving. 
Avram is all about giving. That's chesed, channeling God's givingness. Yes, that's Avram. Yitzchak is about channeling things back up to God, going the opposite direction. Taking everything here and and making a statement how everything down here really has to be channeled back up to God, is reunited with God. That's a sacrifice. That's what a sacrifice is. Reuniting something back up to God. That's what Yitzchak was prepared to do with his own life, reunite himself back up with God. And that's really what tefillah is also. Tefillah is never about trying to yank things down from God. Even when we're davening to get something, the ultimate mindset in tefillah is the mindset and the attitude and approach of Yitzchak, which is channeling things back upwards, the opposite direction. Avram brings things down, Yitzchak brings things, sends things back up. How does tefillah to receive connect up with sending something back up together? Two opposite ideas. No, they're not. They're not at all. You know what it means to daven for something? When I want something, when I want God to give me something, but to daven for something with a Yitzchak attitude of channeling it back up, it means the following. It's the difference between the two tefillahs. What's davening chesedik? What's davening with an Avram type approach? Let's say for a child. Davening for a child when I'm doing a tefillah of chesed, of pulling down, is to say, God, I want a child, I'd love a child... I'm missing something without a child. I'm lacking. My life is lacking because I don't have a kid. Send me a kid because I'm lacking. That's bringing something down, but that's not really what tefillah is. Tefillah is sending back up. How do you daven for a child? Yitzchak dik. You say the following. God, send me a child because your name will be glorified through my child. Your presence will be made so much more holy when you send me a child. Your holiness, your grandeur will be made even more distinct when I have a child because I'll raise that child to serve you. I'll raise that child to worship you. I'll raise that child to sanctify your name. That's tefillah for a child in the way it's supposed to be, a Yitzchak Tikka tefillah, and that's a really a proper tefillah. Every time we dive for something that we need, it's never about, I want. I, I need this, give it to me because I'm lacking. It's about, give it to me, God, because you'll be more complete when you send that down here. What a fascinating idea. But that's sending my request back. I'm reuniting my request with God. So someone's diving for a shidduch. For a shidduch. You know what he says? He doesn't say, God, I'm empty. My life is lacking. I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely, God. I get back home and I, and I, have, to, I have to hang out with these bachrim, right? Save me from the bachrim. I'm messed up, right? And I'm just hanging out with people that are even more messed up than me. Please save me. Send me a shidduch. So that is an Avram Tikatvila, right? An Avram Tikatvila. I'm saying God sent something down because I need it. Bring things down here. But the real Tvila, a real authentic Tvila, is the Tvila of Yitzchak. When you're saying what? God sent me a Shidduch because there'll be more of you in the world. I'll be reunited with you. Together with my wife, we'll serve you. Your Shechina will be here. We'll, we'll build a Bayis Nema, be a Sroll. We'll bring more Kedusha, more holiness, more godliness into the world. Send me a Shidduch because there'll be more of you. Send me wisdom because I'll understand your Torah better. Send me Parnasa because I'll give more tzedakah. I'll be able to do more mitzvahs. The request is always there'll be more of you, God, more godliness in the world. That's why Yitzchak is about tefillah. That's why tefillah is revealed by Yitzchak. That's why tefillah, Yitzchak is the first one that's recorded as davening for a kid. Because even when you're davening to get, you really Yitzchak shows us you're really davening to give. To bring out more godliness. And that's why Yitzchak's tefillah is called an Asar Vayetar. That's why we use a strange lesson of pitchforking. Because what does a pitchfork do? It hurls things back upwards, tosses back up into the air. And a real tefillah is when you're saying, what? Let me get into the best yeshiva, Rebbeinu Shalaylam. 
because there'll be more real in the world. There'll be more Yediyas HaTorah. There'll be more Avadas HaTorah. There'll be more Harchavas HaTorah. There'll be more godliness in the world when I can get into an amazing yeshiva, when I get a great shidduch, when I have a good career, when I have, a, when I have kinderluch, there'll be more godliness. That's an asar, tossing things back up to God. That's why we call Tfilah Nasar. That's why it's revealed by Yitzchak. That's why it's emphasized here for the first time. And that's a lot to take into Shabbos. Thank you all for joining. We shall have a good Nechaydish, a wonderful Kislev, and a wonderful Shabbos. Thank you for joining.